Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Don't sit this one out. Here's Joe Palmisano on News Talk 1480 WHBC. Yeah, there's a new book out. Came out the 26th. It's a uh, number one national bestseller uh, written by Corey Lewandowski and David Bossy. And um, Corey Lewandowski was the uh, campaign manager and chief political advisor for Donald Trump, President Trump. Uh, in the 2016 election, and David Bossie was the deputy executive director of presidents of President Trump's transition team, and he was also the deputy campaign manager for Donald Trump. And they co-authored this book. And right now on the line, we have with us one of the authors of this book, uh, Mr. David Bossie. And Dave, thank you so much for being with us this morning. No, thanks for having me. Good morning. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I, I wanted to get right into this. I know we, you, um, you two wrote this book called Trump's Enemies, How the Deep State is Undermining the Presidency. This was released on the 26th, and it's uh, already one of the, on the bestseller list. And uh, a lot of people will say, Dave, that this was, okay, you've, you come out and it's kind of politically biased. You've got a, a stake in this and those kind of things. And those who voted for President Trump will will like it. Those who didn't will trash it. Why did you decide to kind of stick your neck out and come back out, not lie low and let let the success of the past just be, or and and write this book? Why did you decide to do that? That's a, it's it's a great question. We Corey and I, uh, you know, are out there every day trying to help this president. Uh, you know, from the outside, we don't work in the White House, and gives us a lot of flexibility to to talk about the things and try to educate the American people. And we, what I try to do, uh, you know, every day as this Corey with this book, is make sure that people understand the basically the the the. the vastness of what this president was up against, that he was up against a group of people who were dedicated to his defeat. And that's the group of people wasn't inside the Hillary Clinton campaign, which was fine. Those There's a group of people that were inside the FBI who were working every day to try to defeat a president, which has never been done before in history. So you have this guy, Peter Strzok, who is taking uh, material from an investigation and leaking it to friendly reporters. Then those t- those reporters would write the stories, and Peter Strzok would take that those stories to the secret FISA court to get warrants to spy on Americans. It's never been done before in America, and what we do is we outline that type of thing in the, in in this book. We also talk about what we call phase two of of the operation, which is during the transition. And, and it is James Comey, uh, then the FBI director, takes a illegitimate Russian dossier that was just fabricated uh, and has never been corroborated after all of this time. And uh, he drops it in a classified setting in a briefing 
to then President elect Trump. James Comey did that on purpose in order to put the Russian dossier out to the media, which he then did. And then we then after his election, it has been one thing after another, including James Comey, the FBI director, uh, along with Clapper and Brennan, these others in the intelligence committee who have been. Uh, you know, look at James Comey, for instance. He leaked information again on a different note uh, at a different time to a Columbia professor to put into the media to get a special counsel uh, appointed. This is something that there's no factual basis for this Russia collusion. After now three years, there's never been one ounce of evidence that there was any Russia collusion, cooperation, coordination, because there wasn't any. And so. You know, yes, have, have, have the, has the Mueller probe rolled up some people? Absolutely. Have those people done some things wrong? They've pled guilty. They've been found guilty. Absolutely. But they had nothing to do with the campaign and nothing to do with Donald Trump. And you guys were directly involved in this. I mean, you were the deputy campaign manager. You were part of the transition team. So you saw all this firsthand. Firsthand. And and I want to, I you, you talk in the book, and I read the book, and I absolutely love it. But uh, oh, thank you. I, I I, you said in the book, you actually have excerpts from uh, Strzok and Page in the book, and, and these are the text messages that, that basically have become public record. Uh, and Page saying, he's never going to become president, right? And then she writes again, right? And he says, no, 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 he's not. We'll stop it. And then she says, I want to believe that the path you threw out for uh, consideration to Andy's office, Andy being whom? Andy McCabe, the deputy director of the FBI. Okay, good. Who has since been fired. Yes, and, and then it says, investigation. and then it says that there's no way he's going to get elected. But I'm afraid we can't take that risk. And then less than a month later, Lisa Page sent Strzok, who were by the way they were uh, having an affair. Uh, that this one uh, about Barack Obama and his interest in the case, um, and it says the president wants to know everything we're doing. It seems that even Barack Obama, who at the time was actively campaigning for Hillary Clinton, was getting worried about Trump's chances of winning. And then they go on to say, uh, but we know little uh, Carter Page, or not Carter Page, but Lisa Page, actually said everything they were doing uh, had the full knowledge of Seth, uh, Sally Yates, filed the FBI thing. It just goes on and on. It was, it was like they have this evidence, and yet, and yet this this narrative keeps going on. Well, that, you, you you did a very good job there. That that is. The complicated, uh, you know, just completely, uh, you know, difficult thing to follow, which is what those FBI agents were doing. But we do know that that's what they were doing because they did it. They wrote about it in their own hand. Yes, Page and Strzok were having affairs. They were both married, but they were having not to each other and having an affair. Uh, and so th- this is their personal devices that we that, that it was uncovered on. But everyone that we're talking about here, and this is very important for the American people, I believe, because we shouldn't have this happen to any candidate, any president, just because, you know, in this country, you just don't investigate your political opponents. You don't use the power of the bad. But they all do. The political opponent. But they all do, Dave. They all no, do. No, we've never seen this before. We've never, We've ever. never seen it this deep. 
and it's and I and I believe, and I said this during the election, that that I wanted to see, and not necessarily Donald Trump, but I wanted to see an outsider get elected, someone who wasn't yes. someone who wasn't on the inside. I didn't realize that there would be such a fight to hold on to the cartel that's in Washington, D.C. Now, I have to ask you this question. Yeah. Why Donald Trump? Why did they not want him? Why? And, and I don't think it's him. I think it would have been anybody. You throw any name yes. in that would have been outside the loop. Why is this so important for them to stop him? Well, that's a great question, and I think it has everything to do with Hillary Clinton, meaning they wanted her to win. So no matter which Republican had won the nomination, to your point, I believe that they would have done something. It may not have been this. It would have been investigate them on something else. Because every one of the, you know, the people that was running had something in their background that they would have, or their family, or their business, whatever. Uh, it is, it is, but it has everything to do with, with Hillary Clinton. Andy McCabe, the now fired and under investigation by the Justice Department. Andy McCabe, uh, you know, his wife uh, ran for office as a Democrat. His wife received money, uh, a lot of money, I think 700000 from Terry McAuliffe, uh, who was then the governor of Virginia, but he, he uh, was Hillary Clinton's top person. So we we look at uh, you know Terry McAuliffe was was one of the Clinton right. bagmen back in the nineties. So so we we have there's a connection here that we think it was much more about her being pro her, well, not but, that she was ordering, and not that Hillary Clinton knew anything about this, but that it was being done by them for that reason. But Dave, there's more than this, and we're talking with David Bossy. He is the uh, co-author with Corey Lewandowski of the book Trump's Enemies, How the Deep State is Undermining Presidency, and they go in great detail in this book from a first-hand account, and that's why I wanted you on the show, because you guys were there. But I think this goes much deeper, because Republicans, the Republican establishment, did not want Donald Trump either. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Look, during the primaries, uh, you know, it's a wide open field. It's a, it's the it was the wild west. There were seventeen yeah. uh, some some of them really good candidates, some of them mediocre, uh, some of them not very good at all. But Donald Trump won. Uh, but that doesn't mean that everybody became uh, pro Donald Trump within the Republican Party, and that's okay. That's just that's just the way it works. But you're not supposed to undermine your nominee. You're not supposed to undermine your president. And, and we have a perfect example in. in your outgoing governor uh, in in John Kasich, who you know really is quite honestly, it's embarrassing to me uh, to have him part of the party anymore. But he he along with the guys like Jeff Flake and Bob Corker, uh, you know, basically have created all these diversions, all of these problems. But they're part of that Republican establishment. Um, and by the way, I don't and that Republican establishment is the same as the Democratic establishment. They just talk differently, but it's really the same entity. It, it, it is. It's about, it's about power, and it's about control over the machinery of power. And so that's what these people are about. And look, I don't know that you look, Jeff Flake and Bob Corker both are no longer going to be in the Senate next year because they couldn't win primaries in their own states. 
you know, if John Kasich had, had to run for re-election, I don't know that he would have been able to win a primary. And I certainly don't think he could win a primary against this president. He's talking about running uh, for president against uh, Trump. I think that that's just a fool's errand. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. But this is what this president's been up against. He has these enemies inside his administration as well. And so we see that from his transition from H.R. McMaster as the National Security Advisor to John Bolton, who's been a very good ally to this president. We've seen globalist Gary Cohen uh, leave and Larry Kudlow come in, a, a very much a, a fair and free trader in the Reagan model. Uh, we and, and he has been doing an amazing job. And then we see Bill Shine coming in to running the communication shop. So you see President Trump trying to change folks out, trying to uh, get his team. And, and I urge this president, I talk to him a lot, Corey does as well. We try to talk to him and, and, and say, sir, by early next year, you need to have your forward-facing team that is going to be with you, loyal to you, going into the 2020 re-election, because that is vital that the political operation, the legislative side of the White House, are all working seamlessly. Dave, let me ask you a question. Who, who inside the White House was not loyal at the beginning where all the leaks? Was it Reince Priebus? Was it, who, who was it that was leaking and working to undermine the president yeah. at every turn? Who was it? It's, it's such a great question, and we don't know the answer necessarily. Let me just give you a few things. One is there were people there, to your point, that were not loyal to him and loyal to the presidency. I mean, it's just what they did was, uh, uh, you know, the polar opposite. And, and so you had people like Gary Cohn, who I just talked about, who was taking documents off the president's desk so that he could slow down the process or change the president's mind. That is not what you're there for, okay? You had Rob Porter, who helped him in that endeavor. You had guys like Sean Spicer, who were, were the spokesmen, but never were on President Trump's team. Why were they the, there? The leaking. The Why were leaking, they there? The, well, look, they, here's this is the short answer. When you're a guy who's a governor for eight years and you, and you become the president of the United States, you have a team that works in the governor's mansion. You have a statewide political operation, and you can bring that to Washington. Donald Trump, the reason he got elected, the reason it was so exciting was he was the consummate outsider, somebody who had never been in politics before. He had never spent the night in Washington, D.C. before his inauguration. So was he naive? No, it's not. It's, well, first of all, no president knows what to do when you're president, meaning right. there's no class you take or degree you go get. It's a learning curve, right? And some have a bigger one, some don't. But it's... The, it's that Donald Trump didn't have a cadre of people to bring with him. And so he was truly an outsider, and he had to listen to people. So he was listening to the Paul Ryans of the world, right, to the John Kasichs of the world, telling him, oh, these people are the best. And the president, wanting to be presidential to these people, uh, because he's trying to help them out, he's trying to be, look like he can work with folks, he brings in some of these people he doesn't know. Those people are no longer there. But to your leaks question, because it's very important, the, inside the national security apparatus, that, those are where the leaks I think you were mentioning are coming from. Those leaks of, of conversations with world leaders in the first week of his administration, where he where the, yes. it was on the front page, the, the narrative of what he's talking about, all the, the conversations about telling NATO countries to pay up over the last two years. 
whether it's no matter what it is, it's been leaked. And it's because there are people within the national security apparatus that we don't know their names. They're just working in the there. It's how the system works and that they get this information and then they they leak it to a friendly reporter. It is outrageous. It is, uh, you know, it's in my opinion, it's anti-American. And I and I wish it would stop. Uh, it just happened a few weeks ago when he was talking to Theresa May, yes, uh, the, the Prime Minister of, of of Great Britain, when they were talk when he was headed over for the hundredth anniversary of the end of World War One. Uh, it was it is a um, it's it's ridiculous that he can't have a conversation with somebody, and it's not on the front page. It's 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 terrible. I I know you've got to go, and this this is a great book, by the way. Trump's enemies: How the Deep State is Undermining the Presidency. I think you detail things very clearly. Uh, you put out who the people are. You talk about all the episodes. I have to ask you one question before you go, and it's got to be a quick one because I know you got to go and we got to go. But um, how was it being a campaign manager and a deputy campaign manager for? A, for a guy like Donald Trump who just does what he's going to do? He's the hardest working guy uh, ever. He, we had a hard time keeping up with him. To be honest with you, he was 70 years old when he got elected. He's 72 now. Nobody ever talks about his stamina. This guy works all day. He's up at five, 4 or 5 a.m. He goes to bed after midnight. He works. That's all he does. Even when he's on the golf course, you know, people people talk about his golfing. He's working. He's making deals. He's creating ideas. He's working on his agenda. You look at what he's done in the first two years. It's exciting. And and I uh, I just wonder how it was trying to rein him in and and those kind of things. Or did you try and rein him in? Next week. Let's let's get back on next week. I would love it. Uh, David Bossy, the author of uh, he and Corey Lewandowski, the the author of Trump's Enemies: How the Deep State is undermining the presidency. Thank you so much, David. On News Talk 1480, WHBC. Stevie Wonder. I remember when he was little Stevie Wonder. That's how old I am. By the way, uh, WHBC will continue its state championship coverage uh, this afternoon. It's Orville and Johnstown Monroe for the Division Five Championship. John Bazika, Derek Philo, and Frank Salona will have the call 3 p.m. this afternoon. I uh, think airtime will probably start around 2.50 or something like that. Only on the one and only WHBC. I had, we had great games last night. We had a great game Thursday night. I talked about, and I'm going to open this up, but I talked about... Um, what I think should happen for Canton to continue, Stark County to continue to host the state championship games. Um, plow everything down, create a big parking facility to park all the cars for 20,000 fans. So when you do have a sellout, it's easily accessible. Create the environment, the, the Canton City School facility, for the high school team, create the big end zones that you are talking about with the scoreboard and make it up. Just really do it up. And do all those things and just plow the rest down and have parking for everything. Then have concerts. Do all the different things that need to be done. 
with that in conjunction with the Hall of Fame. Tell me what you think. You can tell me what you think if you want to give a call, 330-450-1480. You may tell me to go jump in a lake. But if I was in charge, that's what I would do. That's what I would do. I'd make it, since we have this stadium and since we, it's become this huge thing, finish it and make it even more spectacular. And then put the things around it. And then if you want to have some things later on, that's great. But make parking so they're not going down little roads and things. Easily accessible. Because that's what really people want. Right. They don't want stores and things. They want to know when they come in to see their kids play, their sons, that they can get in and out. Would you be okay if the parking lot was easy accessible and then you had to shuttle a little bit? No. No. You want, like you want that. to be right there. Because that's what they're doing now. you got to go park. When they have yeah. the Hall of Fame, you park out at the, at the uh, whatever that is, Stark County Fairgrounds, right. and then they shuttle you back. That's a pain. Now, that's a little bit farther than what I would think. I would think a little bit closer with a little bit of shuttle so you don't have to walk. You can walk if you want to, but there's shuttles for but why not? why not just park? Look at all the land you have there now. Right. Just I, I looked out there, and I saw these lines of cars in the first quarter of the game. Thursday night. Lines of cars trying to get off the the exit on 77, and lines of cars all the way to Fulton, all the way into the parking. I was involved in that. And I looked at that, and I said, and then I looked out at the area where all the stuff is supposed to be built, and it's just this big, empty acreage of land. And then you have the end zones that aren't completed. Then you have trailers. And I thought, I thought, you know, my brother was with me, and he hadn't been there. And the parking was a mess, and the trailers were a mess. We had to walk all the way around the other side, the trailer, you know. It was just... It, but then he got in the stadium. He goes, wow, this is beautiful. But to get there was a 45-minute endeavor, an hour endeavor. And it was a pain. And it kind of dampens the whole thing. So I, I, I think that, that that's one thing that I'd like to see done. If, if I were in charge, I guess. I don't know. I'm wondering. Well, we, we have a caller. His name is Bill. Bill, what's up? Hey, uh, Joe, it's actually Phil. And, oh, Phil, uh, I'm sorry. I was there with the game and stuff, and I understand what... And I... I, 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 I half it just... I think it's the planning that they do with the area. Because of all the stuff... All the people especially using the facilities. Um, you know, they didn't have people ready to take money for the parking until 5 o'clock. So, actually, I was there, and I had to sit out outside the parking lot for 15 minutes before I could park the car. Yeah. They didn't open the gates till, um 5.30. Right. Had all those people out there. They had a sign up to tell you what you how you could bring in stuff, and you couldn't bring in stuff. But there was no light on. You actually had to get up as close as you could to see the, the print on it because it was not lit well there mm-hmm. because of the thing. I, I I don't. First off, I don't think they was prepared for that many people for the first game, and they should have been since you got Maslin and Hoban so close. Um, 
plus all the people around here, you know, it's it's high school football. We're known for that's what we like around here. Yeah, but uh, picture this. You, you're you from here, and you understand oh, yeah. the challenges, but picture someone coming in oh, yeah. from Cincinnati. It's a, it's a, it's a black eye. It's, 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 we're not, what, what do they always tell you when you, when you make it? First impressions are always the, the biggest impression. Yes. You want to put your best foot forward. And it's where, I don't know if it's good. I know what their, the envision is at the end date. Because I've got some projects down the area and I'm not allowed to say stuff. But it's one of those things where you need to make sure you're putting your best foot forward during this whole transitional time until the Hall of Fame village is built, until the hotel's built, until all the, the center of excellence is built. You need to you need to make sure that people are understanding, hey, you're gonna have this great thing when it's ended, but we're not gonna sell you short. But now. people but people outside of here don't don't care. All they want to do is they want to be able to get in, see the game, see their kids play, and yep. get out. And have easy access. Bingo. Easy access out. So what's more important, the village or to to make easy access for a beautiful stadium and to finish the stadium? Uh, well, there's the thing is, it's 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 whose vision is it? Because the OHSS is their entity. The Hall of Fame Village is their entity. It's like Kansas City Schools, who owns the parking lots. It's their entity. Um, it's it, it's it's you really need a. Um, everybody needs to come and have a. Uh, what's the, uh, I, I, all they care head. about? All they care about? Most people care about is access. Oh yeah. And 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 the opportunity to get into the game, get out of the game, and also how it looks on the outside when you're going to trailers. To get tickets and will call when there's yeah. a trailer set that doesn't look good. Oh no, I agree. So here's the thing: I'll admit this year, I went last year, and I actually I went to all I went to uh, four out of seven games, and they had that ticket tap thing, and that thing was uh, it was it was not it was not user friendly. Right. And then they had that parking lot, which they call parking lot A, that's on the west side. You could not park there. Everybody had to park out either at the fairgrounds or I parked out at the stables and paid down by the old, you know, the old Jewish, now the Jewish right. music for synagogue. So they have made improvements, but they're still not getting the concept. They don't think that many people's going to show up. And they did. Make it easier. And, and and I don't know if it's the OHSA or it's the... It's the it's well, the ultimately, ultimately, it's the people of Stark County and Canton because the, we're going to go back and say to the OHSAA, we want these championships again. And they're going to say, well, you know... Well, that's where I don't know if it's the mayor or somebody needs to step up and actually say, we will help administer or help with, you know, I don't know. If but you can only do so much it. with with all the two-lane highways and all the oh, access. And and that's why I was looking out to all that empty space and saying, gosh, what if that was a parking lot? What if that was I a know. parking lot? And I'm just throwing this out, Phil. I'm not saying, I, oh, I know. you know, obviously I have no say in this, except to be able to talk about it. So, I, listen, I got to go. I appreciate sure. it very much. Yep. Have a good one. All right, we got to take a break, right? When we come back, we'll continue this discussion. But I want to also talk about Maslin and the Tigers and um, the game Thursday night. Something that I was impressed with beyond belief. 
and I will talk about that also when we come back. Stay tuned. Sit back and enjoy the week that was with Joe Palmisano on News Talk 1480 WHBC. Wow. He dug that one up. As, uh, as hard as it is for all of us, all of us who were cheering for Maslin and a Maslin victory Thursday night, all of us, including me, a Hoban grad, I will offer this as some form of consolation. The Tigers finished on the short end of the score, but they were certainly, certainly never beaten. In today's climate of video game gratification, where people simply disconnect as soon as they fall behind, it is amazing, and it was amazing, to see young men battle back against such odds. Being behind 34-7 to at the start of the third quarter, on a cold, late November night, it would have been easy for those young men to accept what everyone expected. Allow Hoban to hit a 30-point lead and escape and go on to the locker room early. Instead, the Tigers players and coaches battled back against a Hoban squad filled with Division I college players, an officiating crew that had already blown a clear interception call and multiple holding offenses, the elements and the clock to close the deficit to six deep in the fourth quarter. Only a successful fake punt by Hoban finally doomed the Tigers' super comeback effort. For those of you who dislike Maslin, just because there is Maslin, you do a disservice to the courage and determination of a coaching staff and a group of 15- and 18-year-old men who gave us a lesson in tenacity and determination. They also showed us all what it means to be a fan. As a huge contingent of fans didn't leave, didn't stop cheering ever louder, and cheered the effort of these high school warriors even louder after the game had ended. We all knew that we had seen something special Thursday night. That a team can lose a game but not be beaten. That in defeat, a team can gain respect. And that the true joy of a game is in the struggle and not always the outcome. And I thought of this, a poem that I absolutely love, written by uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Hangs in my office. It's been with me for a long, long time. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short 
again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place will never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. The Maslin Tiger football team and the coaching staff and the fans of Maslin earned a tremendous amount of respect Thursday for the effort that they put in, not the outcome, for fighting against the odds and for never, never, never quitting. And those players will gain a tremendous lesson from that, as we all did by watching them. Congratulations to the Maslin Tigers in that effort. We've got a caller? Yes. Who is this? This is Tom. Tom. Tom, what's up? Hi. Thanks for taking my call so, uh, right now. Thank you. Um, two things. Well, one, um, I agree with you on the parking needing to be at the stadium because uh, not only will it help with the sporting events, but it will also help out with even when they get the shops and stuff there, it would give them additional parking. Um, so I think that's an excellent idea. They do need parking there. The second thing is about the game Thursday night with Maslin. Um, I was there helping out with the swing band. And when we got back downtown, we when we met the team, the kids were, like, really depressed. You could tell, obviously, they're going to be sad they lost. But I don't feel they have anything to be ashamed of. I mean, they, they played with heart. If anybody else in the state had gone up against, like, Hoban or any other team and you get down, you know, two, three, four touchdowns late in the game, I don't see too many other teams that would even try. Like, they, they'd almost, their will would be broken. But Bingo. all year long, all year long, these kids have played. They've given their all. Um, they've never, never uh, been arrogant or cocky. They just know, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to give it our best and see what happens. And all year, you could see that they had grown year over, you know, game over game. They kept getting better at it. And Friday night, or Thursday night, they just, Couple bad plays here, call with two there, and they had that game. You know, and it was just—it's heartbreaking. But I'm very proud of what the Tigers have done because they couldn't—you can't put into words what they learned and what they actually showed on the field. The way they kept their composure, the way they just—they played with pride in who they were, and they should be very, very proud of what they've accomplished this year. And Tom, it goes even more—not just what they learned what we learned by witnessing that. Yes. That was a great, that, that, that was, uh, uh, like I said, if, if you could, a lot of times when they look back on this, when those players look back and those coaches look back, they'll look at it as a loss, but that loss will soften, and they'll remember the effort that they put into that game, that they never quit, the tenacity, the determination, and all the things that went into that game. I uh, I don't think people in Masson should be they they should be more proud of this team 
than even in 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 an easy victory because they should they should be very proud of the effort that that those coaches and those particularly those players put into that game and for the fans to show up the way they did there was a lesson for all of us in that game and that was an unbelievable game and I I appreciate your call very much thank you I did I did make a comment to someone that they don't realize what all they've accomplished this year and all, all that but in the years to come, they're they, going to be in the history books, and they're going to look back and realize that they really did have a special year and a special game. And, and they're going to take the lessons from this game, yes. and they're going to be able to to build on those. And when they have tough – I said this at the game – when they have tough situations in life, they're going to be able to draw on what they did Friday and remember how they kept battling. And that's going to be yes. a very important lesson to learn. Yes, it Th- is. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. All right, we've got to take a break, don't we? When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more. If you want to call in, you want to talk about it, you want to do anything like that, give me a call, 330-450-1480. Stay tuned.